I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book, Book of Lies. Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook, and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye! We're here again. Same bad time, same bad channel. Yeah, nothing's really changed or improved in any way, but we're soldiering on. And so this is crime culture. This is crime culture. This is Caitlin. You might be soldiering on. I am at like... You know those movies where they're trapped in the desert and it's like a crawl of dehydration? Like, every reach is an effort? That's about where I'm at. Uh, Mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually? Yes. All of the above? Yes. Just yes. Great. (laughs) I'm just trying to cling to some semblance of uh, a um, routine... And so that is recording this podcast. So I hope listening to it is uh, keeping with some sort of routine. See, yeah, that's a routine. That's what we're aiming to do. I think that's the only routine, to be quite honest. When podcasts come out at the same time as they usually do? I meant when we record our podcast, like that's the only routine that I have. Everything else is just kind of up in the air. Yeah, that's the only routine I have is like recording our show and then when like podcasts that I listen to, they release on like the same days. I'm like, okay, I know what day it is based on this podcast coming out today. Yes, the podcast (laughs) calendar. I completely understand. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been following for the past couple months. But anyway, so we are continuing with our Pride Month series and this week we are going to be talking about the murder of brandon tina which is um similar to um the level that the matthew shepherd case got yes the case about brandon tina received so much um uh notoriety like notoriety and like love sent out for brandon and uh became basically the the poster child of um, of crimes against transgender people and how horrible it is and how it needs to be changed. So going to jump right in. So Brandon Tina was actually born Tina Renee Brandon. So as I'm talking about this case, I'll be referring to him as Tina, as in his his chosen last name, because he was born Tina Brandon. And flipped his name to Brandon Tina. So I'm going to be referring to him as Tina, not as a first name, as a last name. Huh, but that's um, interesting. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, that the name was flipped. Yeah. Um, I'll get, I'll get into where he got the name from. Okay. So, he was born into a conservative conservative patriarchal poor white family and they lived in a trailer park in Lincoln, Nebraska. So, not starting with a full deck here. No. Um his father died in an alcohol-related car accident in Lancaster County eight months before he was even born, so he never met his father. Oh, wow. And he was raised by his mother, Joanne Brandon, who was allegedly only 16 when oh, she shit. had Tina. Yeah. Which would make her 13 when she had Brandon Tina's older sister, Tammy. Ew. Yeah. I have uh, heard of such things, but... It's pretty wild. Um, yeah, still. Ew. I I found just like a little backstory on her that like maybe they got married when she was like pregnant with Tammy and like she was thirteen and and um and Tammy's father was 19? Jerry Lee Lewis. It, it was weird. It was sketchy. That's some Jerry um, Lee Lewis shit. Yeah. So Joanne named uh Brandon Tina her second child, after their German Shepherd dog, which was uh, Tina Marie. So, already naming your child after your family dog? A little weird. I actually worked with a lady who did that. Did you really? I really did. Her husband and she loved the name. I won't say what name it was. And so when they got their dog, they named it that. And then they had their, their first kid... They have their second kid. They find out that it's going to be a boy. And they're like, well, we really loved this name that we named our dog. And we still really love this name that we named our dog. Oh, well, the dog will be dead soon. So the dog was still alive when they named their child. Oh, hell yeah. The and the name? dog, I, if, I, if memory serves me correctly, the dog was not like geriatric by any means. The dog was maybe oh, like no. three or four. Oh, no. Like, the dog is still alive. <laughs> Make no mistake. This kid is, like, a few years old now. Dog is still kicking, and I'm still not completely sure how they navigated That's that weird. one. Oh, you yeah, want to talk about I'm weird? I am on board with naming your child after a dog. They spelled um, it differently, though. Yeah. So not for the better. Tina and his older sister, Tammy, lived with their maternal grandmother in Lincoln, um, but they were reclaimed by their mother when Tina was three and Tammy was six. Um, the family lived in Pine Acre Mobile Home Park in Northeast Lincoln. Joanne yeah. received disability checks and worked as a clerk in a woman's retail store in Lincoln to support their family. As young children, Tina and Tammy were sexually abused by their uncle, uncle for several years, and Tina sought counseling for this in 1991. Okay. Joanne remarried once from 1975 to 1980 tina's family described him as being a tomboy since early childhood uh tina had began i had begun identifying as male during adolescence and dated a female a female student during this period his mother rejected his male identity and continued referring to him as her daughter oh, on wow. several uh, yeah and there's like quotes later that like uh, she refers to Brandon as she, um, which I'll get in. I'll get into it when I get into the quotes. It, it's a little weird, mm -hmm. um, but on several occasions, Tina claimed to be intersex. Okay. Um, so Tina and his sister attended 
St. Mary's Elementary School and Pius X High School, or I don't, I don't know if it was Pius Ten or Pius X. Pius the um, Is it Pope Pius the Tenth? Trust the Catholic. Okay, so Pius Pius Ten <laughs> High School in Lincoln. Um, Tino was remembered by some as being socially awkward. During his second year, Tina rejected Christianity after he protested to a priest at Pius X regarding Christian views on abstinence and homosexuality. Hmm. Yeah. So he know like, obviously he's being referred to as a tomboy since an early age. Like this is not something that, um, he realizes like all at once. It's like slow yeah. building. It's his whole life. Like this is who he is. So standing up for homosexuality in a place that says that that is a sin and that you're going to go to hell for that. Yeah. Um, he also began rebelling at school by violating the school dress code policy to dress in a more masculine fashion. In his sophomore year, he moved away from home to live with a girlfriend, Tracy Beals, and began exploring uh, his sexuality. But Beals was reportedly abusive and Tina quickly awesome. landed back at his mom's house. Wow. Yeah, not a great first uh, dating experience. No. During the first semester of his senior year at U.S., um, a U.S. Army recruiter visited the high school and encouraged students to enlist in the armed forces. Tina enlisted in the United States Army shortly after his 18th birthday and hoped to serve a tour of duty in Operation Desert Shield. However, he failed the written entrance exam by listing his sex as male. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the only reason that he didn't make it into the army because they said he put down the wrong gender. That um, is not nice. That is, that's no. pretty fucked up. That's just, there's no. Especially for someone who wants to serve their country and this is the reason you're not letting them. You would think, but let's also not forget that Don't Ask, Don't Tell was relatively only recently repealed. Yeah, this and this was in like the I want to say like late 80s, early 90s. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in December 1990, Tina went to a holiday skate park with his friends and he would bind his breast to pass as a boy. Uh, he was 18 at the time and he went on a date with a 13 year old girl. What um, is it with the 13 year olds? I don't know. Um he apparently he met her by calling the wrong number so he meant to be he meant to like reach someone else and then this girl answered and he was like hey you fucking (laughs) hang up no you hang up (laughs) you sound illegal Uh, yeah so he also met this girl's 14 year old friend heather um who apparently he proposed to like what the fuck lots of i know lots of this time i was finding like like offshoots of information like i found like the general accepted uh story of his life and everything that happened like leading up to his murder but then i found like other like weird details that i don't know if are correct but apparently he proposed to this heather girl um but it was also at this time that he began regularly dressing as male so he was fully um working to transition during this time at 18 good for him good for him yeah. i'm still stuck on the children 
Nebraska. The 13 and 14-year-old? Nebraska. If you're listening, what the fuck are you guys doing over there? Because, like, his mom was 13 and 16 when she had her kids. That he's was in, like, going, the 70s, though. Yeah, but he's going or for 60s. kids that, that are 13 and 14. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily... That sounds like a pattern. I want to know, what is it about Nebraska? Because if I remember correctly, Aunt Becky was from Nebraska and Uncle Jesse was very much of age, and she was very much of age. Are they outliers, or is that the norm? I think it's, I don't know if it's the state. It might be this family. Oh, I meant are Uncle Jesse and Aunt Becky outliers or the norm? I don't know. Is a fictional television couple from the eighties and nineties. I know. I know what you're talking about. But I'm no, talking no, I'm about saying the I'm case. saying we've devolved into that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Sorry. So. He began to introduce himself as Billy Brinson and later as Brandon. Okay. Um, so trying out different names, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, in the months nearing his high school graduation, Tina became unusually outgoing and was actually remembered by classmates as the class clown. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So as like, we find this with a lot of people who are uh, accepting of their gender identities and everything. It's like when you figure out who you are and who you want to be then you come out of your shell more and you're happier and more open and you shouldn't uh be putting um people kind of in a box like that right so um tina also began skipping school and receiving failing grades Mm -hmm. and was expelled from pius 10 high school in june 1991 Three days before high school graduation. Oh, you tell me they weren't just looking for a reason. We can't have a trans boy graduate from our high school. And was failing. They're, they're, all right, no. I graduated high school with some kids who quite literally, like, did some fucked up shit. And they still, they didn't get to walk. But they graduated. Yeah. yeah, I think there was a kid in my one of my classes that the teacher literally begged him to like hand something in. She's like, I literally do not have anything to grade for you and I will have to fail you if you don't hand something in. So give me something to grade so I can pass you and so you can graduate. And he did was he just do like, it? Nah. Oh, for fuck's sake. I don't think he did. I don't know. I, did he I graduated graduate? with a weird I don't know. I graduated with a weird class. I don't remember everybody that was there. I um, wish. So, in the summer of 1991, Tina began his first major relationship with this girl, Heather. Mm-hmm. That was the 14-year-old. Oh. Um, yeah, so... Well. Uh, short, shortly after, Tina was first employed at a, as a gas station attendant in an attempt to purchase a trailer home for himself and his girlfriend. So, he's working towards something, wants to actually make a life... Has goals. I, I know the, the age thing is weird, but yeah, we're going to move past We're that. trying to overlook it for the sake of the story. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> so his mother, however, did not approve of their relationship and convinced um, and convinced Tina. Um, sorry, convinced her daughter to follow Tina in order to find out whether um, Tina's relationship with Heather was platonic or sexual. So she had... Brandon Tina followed to see what the nature of him and Heather's relationship was. 
weird. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's healthy. Yeah. A um, couple months later, in January 1992, Tina underwent a psychiatric evaluation, which concluded that Tina was suffering from a severe, quote, sexual identity crisis, end quote. Um, he was later taken to the Lancaster County Crisis Center to ensure that he was not suicidal. He was released from the center three days later and began attending therapy sessions, sometimes accompanied by his mother or sister. He was reluctant to discuss his sexuality during these sessions, but eventually revealed that he had been raped. The counseling sessions ended two weeks later. What? Yeah. By so they're like, oh, they're like, oh, we care that you identify as a boy and we think that that's a problem, but you were raped? Okay, well, that's irrelevant. Sucks. Bye. Yeah. That's pretty fucked up. Yes. But also not the cause of somebody no. who, who identifies as a different gender. That is not a reason why that would happen. Though, depending on the age, may explain the affinity for underage partners. Yeah, someone because, who is not of your age. Yes, because I think that was like one of the things that they brought up in the Michael Jackson case was that he, there, the, the theory was that he had been sexually abused as a child, which was why he identified more with children. And per what the prosecutors were trying to put forth, whether or not it was true, I don't know, because I've heard both sides and both are very compelling. Um, but he sexually assaulted those kids not from a place of like evil but yeah. from a place of not understanding that it was deviant because he was still a child yeah i i don't know if i mention it in here but i think as i was doing the research um they were talking about how somebody who um transitions um whether they introduce hormone therapy or not has like a second adolescence because you had your adolescence as your birth gender mm -hmm. and once you um once you identify as i don't know if i'm wording this correctly so forgive me if this is not the correct terminology and everything but once you um start identifying as a different gender then you kind of have a second adolescence because you're like okay well, the adolescence that I went through was not correct and not how I feel uh, what I needed. So now, like, you're... I'm really not... Uh, I'm stumbling over this. But, but I know what uh, you're saying. Yeah, it's I've like... I've also heard of this. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, uh, I should go through all the things that an adolescent boy should go through. But now you're older, so, like, it's... It's age weird. Yes. But I guess the mentality is still in the same age range as the people that you're interested in. Yes. It's the same case as we've talked about some cases where closeted men will come out and it'll be like they spend, they, it, they redo their teens because as a yeah. teenager, they weren't out. And yeah. then they were. Granted, some of these men killed people, others were killed. We're not saying this is necessarily the case here. 
But yes, yeah. and obviously this is all just stuff from we read. This is not a lived experience, so Absolutely forgive us not. if you know better than we do. Um. So after the counseling sessions ended in 1993, after some legal trouble, Tina moved to the Fall City region in Richardson County, Nebraska, where he identified solely as a man. So didn't really let anyone know of his uh, previous life, of everything that he had gone through, just wanted to start fresh somewhere new where nobody had to like judge him based on his past. Good. Um, he became friends with several local residents, and after moving into the home of Lisa Lambert, Tina began dating Lambert's friend, 18-year-old Lana Tisdale. And um, they began associating with ex-convicts John L. Lauder, who was Tisdale's ex-boyfriend, and Marvin Thompson, who went by Tom Nissen. Okay. It seemed that when Tina moved to Falls City, he really just came into himself, like, because he didn't have to uh, have that burden of his past on his shoulders and have everyone know, um, like, who he was before. He was able to just be the person he wanted to be. Um, there was an article in the Chicago Tribune that said, quote, Brandon was like a breath of fresh air. To hear the girls of Fall City tell it, blue-eyed, clean-cut, and handsome, cute. He was the talk of the town. Um, he was one of the nicest boys I had ever met, said Lana, who recalls Brandon as a very good kisser. He was also described as the ideal man who was the perfect balance of rugged cowboy and athletic jock with a Kennedy-like jawline, end quote. Um, so he was a real catch yeah. for everybody in the area. And obviously, like, I mean, people could say he wasn't like one of the other boys. He was nice. He would listen to you. He was... Uh, attentive, um, not just driven by um, sexuality is what I've heard a lot of people refer refer to him as. Like he would, right. like there was a lot of guys in the town, especially of that age, that were just like want to get in your pants. But he like really wanted a relationship and wanted uh, to get to know it, the person he was dating. Right. Uh, also, he was very self conscious about his. Um, his body because he was still physically female. Uh, had female yeah um, so um, I'll get into what happens after um, he was in a relationship with somebody but oh boy. on December 19th 1993 Tina was arrested for forging checks Tisdale paid his bail with money obtained from her father because Tina was in the female section of the jail Tisdale learned that he was transgender Oh. When Tisdale, yes. So when Tisdale later questioned Tina about his gender, he told her that he was a hermaphrodite pursuing a sex change operation and they continued to date. Um, but this was disputed by Tisdale in a lawsuit regarding the film adaption of Brandon Tina's story, Boys Don't Cry, mm. which I will get into. Um, Tina's arrest was posted in the local paper under his birth name. What the fuck? And that was how his acquaintances learned that he was assigned female at birth. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah, now we're going to get into, like, the actual case, which is horrifying. So, Great. just get ready. Um, during a Christmas Eve party, Nissen and Lauder grabbed Tina and forced him to remove his pants, providing, 
proving to Tisdale that Tina had a vagina. What the fuck? Tisdale looked... Yeah. Because they found out in the newspaper... They were friends with him. Yeah. And then they found out in the newspaper that he was actually assigned female at birth, and it... Toxic masculinity. Mm. So... Tisdale looked only when forced to and said nothing. Lauder and Nissen later assaulted Tina and forced him into a car. They drove to an area by a meatpacking plant in Richardson County where they assaulted and gang raped him. They then returned to Nissen's home where Tina was ordered to take a shower. Tina escaped from Nissen's bathroom by climbing out a window and went to Tisdale's house. He was uh, convicted. He was convinced by Tisdale to file a police report. Yeah. Uh, though Nissen and Lauder had warned Tina not to tell the police about the gang rape, or they would quote silence him permanently. End quote. Tina also went to the emergency room where a standard rape kit was assembled, but later lost. Why? I know. Mariska. Uh, yeah. Get on Tina, it. <laughs> Tina also went to. Um, sorry. Um, so the rape kit was lost. Sheriff Charles B. Uh, Lau, I think it's Lau, A-L-A-U-X. Lau? Lux? Sure. I I'm going to say Lau. Don't ask me. He's I'm a piece not of shit. So <laughs> oh, he's a so. piece of shit, so I don't care how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, he questioned Tina about the rape. Reportedly, he seemed especially interested in Tina's transsexuality to the point that Tina found his questions rude and unnecessary and refused to answer. Ugh. So... I'm going to say this is an excerpt of the um, the interview. This was put in the uh, documentary that I'll talk about later. Uh, this is a trigger warning for sexual assault survivors. It details what he went through. So skip ahead like 30 seconds or whatever. The voice I'm going to do for the sheriff, um, I'm not going to say their name in front of it. I'm just going to do a dumb voice for him because he sucks. <laughs> so this is what I think he sounds like. Oh, boy. After he pulled down your pants and seen you as a girl, what did he do? Did he fondle you any? No. He didn't fondle you any, huh? Didn't that kind of amaze you? Doesn't it kind of uh, get your attention somehow that he would have put his hands in your pants and play with you a little bit? You were, ha- you were all half-assed drunk. I can't believe that if he pulled your pants down and you were a female that he didn't stick his hand in you or a finger in you. Well, he didn't. I can't believe he didn't. Did he have a hard-on when he, when he got you back there or what? I don't know. I didn't look. You didn't look? Did he take a little time working it up or what? Did you work it up for him? No, I didn't. You didn't work it up for him? No. That was a word-for-word transcript of a questioning by a sheriff to a person who survived a rape literally 24 hours before. What the fuck? Yeah. That's not even the whole thing. I think you were thing, a little nice. The whole thing's, he's he's the whole much thing dumber is in this than that. What the yeah. fuck? This guy fucking sucks. So, yeah. Nissen and Lauder learned of the report and they began to search for Tina. They didn't find him and then three days later, the police questioned them. The sheriff declined to have them arrested due to a lack of evidence. And also it took them three days to question them. Yep. This doesn't sound like it's not fucking New York City. They I guarantee you yeah, did not have trouble finding town. them. Yes. Um around 1 a.m. on December 31st, 1993, Nissen and Lauder drove to Lambert's house. That's the place where um Atina was living at the time. Right. Um 
and then they broke in. They found Lambert in bed and demanded to know where Tina was. Lambert refused to tell them. Nissen searched and found Tina under the bed. Oh, wow. The men asked Lambert if there was anyone else in the house, and she replied that Philip Devine, who was at the time dating Tisdale's sister, was staying with her. They shot and killed Devine, Lambert, and Tina in front of Lambert's toddler. What? Which is... Oh, my God. It was fucked up to begin with, but holy shit. Yeah, in front of a little kid. Yes, that's even... Oh, my God. So... Nissen later testified in court that he noticed that Tina was twitching and asked oh. Lauder for a knife, with which Nissen stabbed Tina in the chest to ensure that he was dead. Ugh. Nissen and Lauder then left, uh, later being arrested and charged with murder. Tina is uh, buried in Lincoln Memorial Cemetery in Lincoln, Nebraska. His, head so- his headstone inscribed with his birth name and the epitaph of daughter, sister, and friend. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. So, Nissen accused Lauder of committing the murders. In exchange for a reduced sentence, Nissen admitted to being an accessory to the rape and murder. Nissen testified against Lauder and was sentenced to life in prison. Lauder denied the veracity of Nissen's testimony, and his testimony was discredited. The jury found Lauder guilty of murder, and he received the death penalty. Lauder and Nissen both appealed their convictions... In September 2007, Nissen recanted his testimony against Lauder. He claimed that he was the only one to shoot Tina and that Lauder had com- had not committed the murders at all. Were they in the same jail? Were they put into the same penitentiary? Uh, I think I have where they're kept later on in here, but I don't know if they were together. Usually in cases like this, you don't want them to be together in any way because they can change a story yeah but this sounds like they communicated i don't know the the fact that he's recanting i think in jail you can get messages to pretty much anyone at any time hell yeah i've seen orange is the new black i know that's not the end all be all but come on i know she snuck a cell phone in her vagine you tell me that there's not a way (coughs) so in 2009 lauder's appeal Uh, using Nissen's new testimony to assert a claim of innocence was rejected by the Nebraska Supreme Court, which held that since, even under Nissen's revised testimony, both Lauder and Nissen were involved in the murder, uh, the specific identity of the shooter was legally irrelevant, because, I mean, they were both there. Right. And it doesn't matter who pulled the trigger, they both were murderers. Right. In August 2011, a three-judge panel of the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals rejected John Lauder's appeal in a split decision. In October 2011, the 8th Circuit rejected Lauder's request for a rehearing by the panel or the full uh, 8th Circuit. Oh, wow. That's recent. Yeah. So, yeah, that's 2011. This is pretty recent. Um, so Lauder next petitioned the Supreme Court of the United States for a review of his case, which they declined, denying this petition on March 19th, 2012, and a further petition for a rehearing on April 23rd, 2012, leaving his conviction to stand. On January 22nd, 2018, Lauder was denied a third appeal by the U.S. Supreme Court. So he's still trying to fight it as of, like, very, very recently within the past few years. Yeah, good fucking luck, bud. Yeah. Richardson County Sheriff's Office has made some major improvements since the tragic death of Brandon Tina. 
Police vehicles are equipped with in-car videos and officers are outfitted with wireless microphones so that they are monitored and held accountable for their actions. Also, basic law enforcement training is an intense 16 weeks at the Nebraska Law Enforcement Training Center in Grand Island, where the curriculum includes a viewing and discussion of the Brandon Tina story, which is the documentary that I'll get into, and staged sexual assault and domestic violence scenarios between straight and gay couples. Okay. In an interview with The Atlantic for the 20th anniversary of the crime, the current sheriff, Randy Hauser, said, quote, a rape, especially one involving kidnapping, physical assault, and death threats, was rare then as it is today. The majority of our caseload is protection order violations, DUIs, driving under suspension, and domestic violence. A case like Brandon's would be an emergency, a drop-everything situation, and it would probably be handed over to state patrol investigators who have more resources. Right. Quote. Yeah. I mean, you could say all that now. Look what it took for you to get there. Exactly. No. I agree. Yeah. Um, so because Tina had not started hormone replacement therapy or had sex reassignment surgery, he has sometimes been identified as a lesbian by media reporters. Fuck off. Um, yeah. However, some reported that Tina had stated that he planned to have sex reassignment surgery. I don't think it fucking matters. If you identify as something, then you're identifying as that. Yeah, doesn't that matter doesn't what fucking it is. matter. Yeah. So Joanne Brandon sued Richardson County and Sheriff Lau for failing to prevent Brandon's death, um, as well as being an indirect cause. She won the case, which was heard in September 1999 in Fall City and was awarded $80,000. District Court Judge Orville Cody reduced the amount by 85% based on the responsibility of Nissen and Lauder and by 1% for Brandon's alleged uh, contributory negligence, which I don't know what the fuck that could be. Uh, this led to a remaining judgment of responsibility against Richardson County and Lau of $17,360.97. Wow, In down to the nickel. Yeah, right? Just fucking round it up to the next dollar, people. In 2001, the Nebraska Supreme Court reversed the reductions of the earlier award, uh, reinstating the full $80,000 award for mental suffering, plus $6,223.20 for funeral costs. What the fuck is with these, like, and X cents? I know. Why? Um, what good is that? <laughs> I guess that's how much the funeral costs to the penny. <sighs> Um, in October 2001, the same judge awarded the plaintiff an additional $12,000, $5,000 for wrongful death, wrongful death, and $7,000 for the intentional infliction of emotional distress. Okay. Lau was also criticized after the murder for his attitude towards Tina. At one point, Lau referred to Tina as, quote, it. What? Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck off. Well, if you didn't think that the transcript from the interview was shitty enough. Yeah, but like... That's oh, just how shitty off. he is. That's so dehumanizing. Like, come uh, the fuck on. Yeah. After also, the case was over... Oh, good. What? I, I, I was just thinking about this. So his name is spelled L-A-U-X. Yes? No? Sorry, I lost you. Maybe? What was it? Oh, I said is his, his name is spelled L-A-U-X, right? Yes. Wouldn't that be, like, you know how faux is spelled L-A-F-A-U-X? No L. F-A-U-X? 
I wonder if it's low. Yeah. Is it low? I don't know, but low the ho has low. a nice ring to it. <laughs> I'm going to say low. Low the cow um, also has a nice ring to it. Okay. Yes. So, after the case was over, Lau served as commissioner of Richardson County and later as part of his community's council before retiring as a school bus driver. I can't believe he got a job in I know. government after that. I can't believe that. Yeah. And then a, a job with children. Yeah. So. Fuck that. Yeah. So he has refused to this day to speak about his actions in the case and swore at one reporter who contacted him for a story on the murder's um, 20th anniversary. So he he's still he bitter about it. He knows what he did. Yeah. Exactly. He's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. He's a, um, either a hoe or a cow, depending on your pronunciation preferences. Yeah. Um, so now I'm getting into, like, the pop culture stuff. And first we're going to talk about, like, probably the most famous movie to come about from this case. In 1999, uh, Brandina became the subject of a very popular biographical film called boys don't cry it was directed by kimberly pierce and starred um hillary swank as brandon tina and chloe segevny seven is it segevny i believe it's seven Sevigny? i believe so okay quote me i mean she played correct me if i'm wrong she played lana tisdale mm-hmm. um for their performances swank won and seven sevengi i can't say it right seven i know i'm not saying seven years um she was nominated for an academy award and hillary swank won writer and director kimberly pierce wrote the movie after reading the village voice piece about tina hmm. pierce herself claimed that she quote fell in love with brandon end quote and needed to tell his story good she did heavy research including trips to his actual hometown and the place of his passing and compiled thousands of pages of official court transcripts trying to piece together exactly what happened in Tina's final days. But in the process of telling his story for the big screen, however, Pierce admitted thinking, quote, the story grew stronger as she deleted material and altered facts, end quote. Uh, In doing so, she pissed off both Lana Tisdale as well as her sister Leslie and uh, reportedly left out other people familiar with the true story. Um, very, they were very sh- upset and shocked. Um, for example, Philip Devine, the young man staying at the house, um, who was also killed yeah. um, in the events, he was removed from the film completely. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Pierce reportedly didn't want to introduce Leslie as another character in order to ex- explain the presence of Devine, who was Leslie's ex. Mm. Um, Pierce's film also placed Lon herself at the scene, downplaying the hostile actions of Sheriff Lau and left out the alleged breakup of Tina and Lana before um, the actual murders. Hmm. Tisdale sued the producers of the film for unauthorized use of her name and likeness before the film's release. She claimed that the film depicted her as, quote, lazy white trash and a skanky snake, end quote. Oh, Tisdale also, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tisdale also claimed that the film falsely portrayed that she continued the relationship with Tina after she discovered that Tina was transgender. She eventually settled her lawsuit against the movie's distributor for an undisclosed sum. Wow. Um, yeah. Joanne Brandon publicly objected to the, um, 
to the media referring to her child as he and Brandon. Following Hillary Swank's Oscar... I know. It, well, it gets worse. Oh, Following great. Hillary Swank's Oscar acceptance speech, Joanne Brandon took offense at Swank for thanking Brandon Tina and for referring to him as a man, saying, quote, that set me off. She should not stand up there and thank my child. I get tired of people taking credit for what they don't know. End quote. Uh, she can However, fuck to hell. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is her child, but I understand it's hard for older generations to wrap their head around what transgender is and gender identity and everything, but I don't know. If your child says this is what is making them happy, just let them be happy. Right. And also, let's not forget that she was taking him to therapy, and then once he admitted that he had been sexually assaulted, the therapy stopped. Wasn't in therapy. Yeah. Wasn't in therapy anymore. Yeah. That's um, that's very like, oh, but what if other people find out? Like, I mean, it seems all very appearances based to me. Yeah. Like, just her entire behavior. I mean, this is... It's just from the research that I found. I don't know, like, too much of her backstory or uh, the backstory of what happened with the therapy and, like, who said no to it and why it was stopped, but... Right. It does seem a little sketchy. Yeah. So, in 2013, Joanne told a reporter that she accepted Tina, referring uh, referring to um, her as transgender to the media. Although she was unhappy with the way Boys Don't Cry portrayed the situation, she said about the film, quote, it gave gay and transgender advocates a platform to voice their opinions, and I'm glad of that. There were a lot of people who didn't understand that she, referring to Tina, Brandon Tina, <sighs> was going through, we've come a long way, end quote. Um, when asked about how the murder affects her life today, Joanne replied, quote, I wonder about how my life would be different if she was still here with me. She would be such a joy to have around. She was such a happy little kid. I imagine her being a happy adult, and if being happy meant Tina living as a man, I would be fine with that, end quote. So it seems like she accepts it. She just doesn't know what the terminology and everything is. Which is a step in the right direction, maybe? Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm sorry, I just, I find it very difficult to believe that she can go from making a speech in which her son is credited and credited as a man all about her yeah, to going, oh, but if he wanted to live, or if she wanted to live as a man, I would love her anyway. Like, you didn't when he yeah. was alive when she was alive and yeah when he was alive um yes like don't I've, like fuck I off got with stuck that in bullshit her voice. oh no i understand i understand um yeah. like fuck off with that bullshit like no it's it's like when an abuser comes back and says oh but i'll change i'll change i'll change that's that's mm, how yeah. i'm seeing this situation i i think that i wonder if she would say those things if her son was not permanently gone yeah, maybe. Um, but before Boys Don't Cry, um, there was Susan Muska and Greta Olofsteers, um, Emmy-nominated 1998 documentary, The Brandon Tina Story. Okay. And these two spent more than five years researching and reporting the case, and they even moved into an apartment in Fall City to attend all of the trials and sentencings. 
So these two are well acquainted with the story. Yeah. Um, so without their excellent investigative journalism, we would have never learned about the extreme misconduct and inhumanity Tina had suffered from Sheriff Lau. Oh, great. Good for them. Yeah. The documentary uncovered and publicly broke Sheriff Lau's interrogation of Tina after he first reported the assault, highlighting a clear lapse in the sheriff's commitment to duty. The filmmakers used transcripts of calls and reports, previously unreleased footage, photos of Tina, and a few recreated scenes to frame the narrative. It also interviewed several of the key players in the events leading up to December 31st, 1993. According to a review of the film in Variety magazine, quote, one of the most disturbing segments of the film is the recording of an interview in which after Brandon's rape, he was quizzed by Fall City Sheriff whose prejudice against homosexuality and transsexuality is evident throughout the exchange. Dealing with a youth who has just undergone an extremely traumatic experience, the law officer shows scant sympathy or insight into Brandon's plight, end quote. Yeah. Which perfectly put. Yeah. Yes. It's, I think there's like um, a place like, I think it's on YouTube or something that you can listen to um, the whole interview, like the whole exchange. And it's, fucking horrible obviously if you're right. a survivor of sexual assault um refrain from looking that up but um if you want to hear just how fucking messed up uh somebody can be just hours after somebody's been assaulted it is horrifying i um i would just love to yes. understand why people think this is so terrible and here's the other thing if if Brandon had identified as female and that exact assault had happened, what would the interview have been like? Right. Right. Like, like would he would have been sympathetic? Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't understand what the big deal is. Why you can't treat a man who identifies as a man this and was born female as somebody who was born male and identifies as like a male. I just I don't understand. I I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't see how you can. Yeah, you're never gonna see them naked. Why does it matter? It exactly. And it, who is it hurting? It's not hurting anybody besides. Like yeah. I I just I can't understand it. I don't think I'll ever understand it. I know. If anybody wants to explain it to me because they are part of that perspective, it may not be a good idea <laughs> to try to explain it to me. I mean, I would... I, if if it's the religion argument, uh, that's fucking tired. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I've um, got Bible verses in my pocket that say this shit is okay. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so... Moving away from that. Yes. The Brandon Tina story, the documentary, um, it was very well received critically. It was nominated for a GLAAD award and it won honors at both the Berlin Film Festival and the Vancouver Film Festival. And it actually became the most true account of the horrors that Tina had endured. Um, there was actually, um, like we talk a lot about movies and documentaries, but mm -hmm. there's actually art that was inspired by the story of Brandon Tina. I love that. So Brandon is an interactive web artwork created in 1998 by Shu Li Chiang. 
um, and was named for Brandentina. The artwork was commissioned by Solomon R. Guggenheim Museum, and much of the site's content relates to Brandon's story. Um, then there's also music. The British duo Pet Shop Boys released a song in 2006 called Girls Don't Cry. Um, it was a bonus track on the UK issue of I'm With Stupid, and it's about Brandentina. Hmm. There's also a Vancouver-based pop-punk band. It's all abbreviated with no vowels. I think it's Japanese girls. It's J-P-N-S-G-R-L-S. Japan's girls? Sure. Maybe? Maybe. Um, but they released a song called Brandon off their debut 2014 album, Circulation, and it's in memory of Brandon Tina. Also relatively recent, 2014. Um... In 2018, Donna Minkskovitz was a journalist who reported on Tina's murder um, and first brought the story to a wider audience. She wrote a piece for the Village Voice in which she expressed her regret for not understanding transgender issues when she wrote her original report. So um, she was the one that basically showed um, Brandon Tina's story to the masses. It was in the Village Voice, which is a mm. big publication a lot of people read it we talked but about it last it, week yeah um but in it there was like some like misunderstandings and some stuff that was like kind of didn't age well in right. the report so in 2018 she just put out this other thing it's like um i think it was titled like the things i got wrong uh actually i have it here it's how i broke and botched the brandon tina story yep and it's it's very good to read. Um, I think she has the original report that she uh, posted in the Village Voice underneath this article. But this is a response to say, like, okay, I've learned new information. I realized what I said was wrong. And here's how I'd like to correct it. Which is kind of the way we should all be yeah. working on shit. And last but not least, there is a book. It's called All She Wanted by Aphrodite Jones. It has a 3.94 out of 5 on Goodreads. And uh, Aphrodite Jones sued the producers of Boys Don't Cry, saying that her book on the case was supposed to have been made into a movie starring Drew Barrymore, that Fox Searchlight illegally conjoined her work with Pierce's to result in the movie Boys Don't Cry. So Hmm. she's saying that, like, Fox kind of, like, fucked her over and combined her research with... Um, pierces to make a different movie and cut wow. her out of the deal pretty much wow yeah but anyway that is that that is the uh story of brandon tina and uh highly recommend watching the brandon tina story i think you can watch it on amazon i'm like 99 percent sure um if you have hbo via amazon you can watch it yeah it's very very good um i think i saw boys don't cry like many years ago i don't really remember it to be completely honest i remember seeing it when i was very little and it was like something that was on but like my parents didn't have it on you know what i mean like the channel yeah like whatever you have on changes but you're not watching and i remember just being so confused and i think that is part of the reason why we should be teaching kids normalizing this and explaining 
because I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't have negative feelings toward it, but I was just like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And that's, yeah. I, that's literally, I don't even remember the movie. I just remember how I felt. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Like, I really think the Brandontina story should be shown in high schools for like yes. a sex ed class and be like, yes. listen, like shit like this happens. We need to be better than this. Yes, absolutely. And that there, like, there are cases where people are not treated the way they're not treated like people and i mean i feel like it could also be a good case for when they do like bullying seminars yeah i would 100 percent show people that interview and be like this is not the way you should be treated if someone is talking to you in this manner this is incorrect this is just because they have a badge just because they have a uniform does not mean that you need to be treated like this like you deserve somebody who is going to not lose your rape kit, mm. who's going to believe you, who's not going to ask for like weird sexual details of your assault. Like, ew. Yeah, no. Fuck that. Yeah. Just all of it. So, it, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, that is our episode for this week. Like always, we'll be back next tuesday for um continuation of our um pride series and uh you can go to our website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com when you're there you can find all the links to our social media our facebook twitter instagram uh you can find our patreon there you can shoot us some money on the patreon and um pretty sure that's it for this week so we will see you next tuesday okay that's what i wanted for those who couldn't see well nobody can see except for Haley. i just kept moving closer and closer and closer to the camera because she said she started saying next week like a few sentences ago and i was like no 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 no, not today let me have this let me have this one thing yeah we're gonna see you next tuesday See ya. Bye. Bye. Ooh, that was a fun one. Short but fun. The the bye, not the episode. <laughs>